Think about it this way. One of the most popular things today, and, and th- this is too obvious to me, and it might not be too obvious to you. One of the most popular things that is taking place in modern-day Christianity right now is working in astrology or mysticism. You're seeing it. You're, you're seeing this New Age tie-in to Christian faith. And I am telling you, that is not godly. And what, what they're also doing through this is they are placing you at the center of the gospel and not Jesus Christ. To almost say, God's world revolves around you. I want you to hang on to that for a moment. Because I want to be very clear about this. God loves you. You are called his child. You are a child of the living God. But God doesn't need us. And I want you to think about that word need. He doesn't need us. He created us for his pleasure. Right? He created us for his pleasure. Now, God should be the center of our universe. But he doesn't need us. I want you to think about, there, there's a preacher, just talking about false teaching, there's a preacher I listened to weekly about 10 years ago. I, I used to encourage other people to even listen to him. And I, I determined he was a false teacher through many different things that were taking place. But he even said this on social media. I want you to listen to this. Following Jesus doesn't change you into something else. It reveals who you've been all along. I heard that. I thought, wait a second. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So it tells me that in my natural human state, if I want to be more like God, I need to change. It's not okay with who I am. And so there becomes this value, church, of knowing what the word of God says. That's the only way you're going to recognize false teaching. And church, I am telling you, some of the greatest preachers out there can hear or get an incorrect revelation. Okay? They might get an idea that does not line up with God's word. And this is why I say, even last week as we emphasized this, the importance of knowing the word of God is that you can be easily swayed. Some of the best preachers I knew got something wrong and had to stand up there and correct a, pre- a previous teaching. Okay, so every one of us is prone to make mistakes and have the wrong idea, okay? Can we all agree to that? We're prone to that. Listen to 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. It says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach what is true. Everyone say True. And to make us realize what is wrong, everyone say wrong, in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And so also we come into this faith that I'm talking about today by implementing the truth into our lives. 
In fact, I want you to think about it this way. Because we talk about being an approved worker for God and what that looks like. You can only be approved by God if you are someone who can correctly explain Scripture. Why don't you think about that for a moment? I've got Scripture to back that up. 2 Timothy 2.15, listen to this. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. So I want you to learn something about me. Because I have had people approach me and say, Pastor, I just wish you could get away from just teaching the scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to speak out revelation. And I believe what the Holy Spirit has revealed to me is what is contained in scripture, okay? So, so this is the revelation that I am giving you. I would rather teach you straight scripture, okay? I would rather teach you straight scripture than have inference in scripture, okay? Or to give you some other worldly revelation and go, wow, what's this new teaching? Might not be biblical. I myself, I want to develop my faith. I want to grow deeper. And I'm telling you, one of the most important ways we can grow deeper is to live by the Spirit of God. To truly live by the Spirit of God, it starts with belief in what God can do. Do you believe God can change the outcomes in your life? Do you believe God has control of your life? Do you believe God is the author from the day you were born to the finisher to know the moment you're going to die? Those are things that you have to accept. And so that's why I want to talk about Abraham for just a moment. In fact, once we finish this spiritual war series on Abraham, or, or the spiritual war series, we're going to be turning to talk about the life of Abraham. And Abraham, he was the father of our faith. And so I believe it is important to evaluate how a man who did not know God, he did not know God, chose to believe in a God who revealed himself to Abram, and it turned into the story of a man whose belief it is described in Galatians 3.6 was accounted to him as righteousness. I want to believe in God so deeply with everything that I am and everything that I encounter that God can look upon me and call me righteous. And church, the gospel is not the work of man for God to believe in, as we just talked about this, us being at the center of the universe. The gospel is not the work of man for God to believe in, meaning God hasn't saved you because you have done enough to earn it. Rather, the gospel is the work of Christ for us to believe in. And so Jesus Christ, this is, this is the important tie in here. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham way back toward the beginning. Think about some things that God stated. God stated all nations would be blessed through Abraham. You and I are living that promised, fulfilled right now. 
God proclaimed the gospel to Abraham, and he was saved. And then Paul proclaims the gospel to the Gentiles, and now the Gentiles are saved. And so everyone who has faith in Christ is a recipient of that promise that God made back to Abraham. And now the evidence of our conversion, Paul states, is the receiving of the Holy Spirit and his ongoing work in our lives. And so you and I, we must recognize that our faith is not going to be developed apart from God. But it's going to be by our dedication to him. And so I, I want to talk quickly about how faith develops. And I, I've got three things that I want to touch on. Faith develops by, first off, following the word of God, which we've already started to discuss. And the word of God, it should be that complete guide for our lives. We should use it so that it reveals how we ought to change to become more like him. And that should be how we approach scripture. Here's the thing. You need to dedicate yourself daily to it. To develop how you look to God and how you understand who he is. And I got to tell you, each and every time I open it up, I am learning more and more about God. And I'm learning more and more about who I should be. The second way faith develops, and this is going to be a little bit longer point, receiving the Spirit. Now, the Spirit of God, what happens is it bears witness to us upon salvation, but we should also seek to be filled by the Spirit. Everyone say filled. I've got a lot of scripture and I want to go through it quickly. John 14, 17 says, He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. This is Jesus speaking. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now I want to look at the fulfillment of that promise. That's in Acts 2, 1 through 4. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house that they were sitting, where they were sitting. Then what looked like, the, like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. The Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And so as, as, as this was birthed and they're beginning to learn what it means to walk and live by the Spirit, there were moments of correction in the early church where believers, they, they were being, they, they were, new believers were being saved, they were going around, they were ministering the gospel, but they were dealing with a problem where there were people that were being baptized into the faith of John, but not baptized by the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen to Acts 19, 1 through 3. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Then when Paul, skipping down to verse 6, then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. 
You see, the work of the Holy Spirit through you, this is significant, through you it will bear witness to the power of God. So by you walking in the Holy Spirit, living by the Holy Spirit daily, that you are going to find that the power of God inside of you is what will bear witness to who God is and other people will come to know Christ through you living in the Spirit. Can I get an amen? Because of that work of, of, of living by the Spirit, what happens is faith is developed in us and that byproduct is others seeing the Spirit of God working through us and they come to believe in God. And I believe it is only by that power that healings take place, miracles occur, and hearts are truly mended to God. It is significant that we be people who choose to live by the Spirit each and every day. God, not me. More of you. More of you. Maybe I, may I be led and guided by you. And thirdly, faith is developed. This is significant. Faith is developed by miracles. It stirs up faith in us. It stirs up faith in others. And any miracle is beyond human power. I want you to understand that if we're going to define a miracle, it's, it's beyond human power. Yet we can see sign after sign of miracles in Scripture that occurred because of people who believed in operating under the power of God. One of the first miracles Jesus performed was turning water into wine at the wedding in Cana. And upon the miracle being performed, listen to what it says in John 2.11. It says, This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. You know what that tells me? They're going to this wedding. They're a little skeptical. Who is this guy we're following? Can we trust him? Do we know that what he's saying is true? How many times have you thought, show me a sign? And Jesus gave them this big encounter with a miracle. Church, we need to listen and operate when the Spirit of God directs us. And then if we step out in action, people will come to believe in him. And I'm telling you, one of the biggest weaknesses of the American church is that we are trying to operate with this approach of practicality and expecting results. Are you guys hearing me? And you know what is happening? People are walking away from the church. I'll just buy a Tony Robbins book. I can get the same information there. Right? That, that is what people are thinking. And so what we have done is we have traded a miracle-working God for that God of practicality. But church, if you discipline yourselves and choose to live by the Spirit, it is not just going to be for your benefit and your blessing. That is how others come to know who God is. Because I do believe the world will be blessed by your faith when you live that out. Listen again to Galatians 3.8. It says, what's more? 
The scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. Your steps of obedience, your pure heart before God is going to be what blesses and changes the world. Not your work. Not your work. And all of that is to the world's benefit. And I think one of the most significant things that we can do right now, if there's anything you take away from today, because I know it's been a lot of teaching, is you need to know where you need to fix your eyes. You know, we are led in the direction that our eyes are fixed on. And I, I meant to put a picture up here today, and I, I forgot to do it. But there, there's a good friend of mine. His name's Dustin Hansen. And Dustin and I, every now and then from time to time, we go out somewhere where we can go on a hike because my wife doesn't like to hike. Or else I would take her. And so there was, we got to Colorado, we had been at elevation in Iowa and decided the next day we're going to hike this mountain called Mount Ida. And Mount Ida is like 13,300 feet or 13,800 feet, somewhere in there. And anyways, we start out, we start out at just under 10,000 feet. And here I am, I am all on board, I am ready to go. But when you have not been at elevation for a while, who knows what that does to you? I'm near almost the top, and I am sucking wind. And, and there was one point, I am laying down on these rocks, and I'm not kidding you, this 70-year-old couple walks by us and goes, well, what's your guys' problem? I'm like, yeah, well, we'll get there someday. And I get to the top, and I also didn't know at the time, I get elevation sickness. And so I am ready to hurl. I am ready to go out the other end. And there are all sorts of problems that I am facing. And I look at him, and he says, you know, it's getting about to 2.30. We need to start thinking about getting down. And so I said, I got an idea. It looks like it's a shortcut if we go this way. Who knows that that is a bad idea? And so we're going through this big boulder field now, and these boulders are so big, you can't see over the boulders. you got to climb up and go over them. So it is taking even more effort now. And we just get past the boulder field, and he says, we don't know where we're headed. And I stopped, and I prayed. And then a long ways off, I could see the next peak over. And I could see the trail that we walked on to get there. And I said, there's a lot we got to terrain right now. Let's keep our eyes on that trail. And so every step we took, we made sure we were looking at the trail. Because we wanted to get back before dark. And your eyes, church, where you fix them, are important. We get sidetracked so easily.
Do you know your eyes are the gateway to your soul? And so other people can look into your eyes, and I believe they can know if you are of the Spirit of God or if you're of something else. Listen to this. Listen to, listen to Matthew 6, 22 through 23. It says, Jesus says this, your eye is like a lamp. Everyone say lamp. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Church, keep your eyes fixed on heaven and keep your eyes fixed on your heavenly Father. Don't take it off. Because that moment that you catch yourself, all of a sudden, you are more impressed by something other than God. Or you're more impressed by someone other than who God presents himself in Scripture. Or maybe you've passed by a mirror and you're really impressed. Fix your eyes, divert your eyes back to where they belong. Listen to Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarded its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. He kept his eyes fixed on the Father. He knew what he was going to face. And he kept looking to the Father through it all. And that's why as he's in agony in the garden, knowing what he's going to face, he makes the statement, God, not, not my will. I don't want to face this. Not my will, but your will be done. And so church, no matter what we face, no matter what we encounter, we should lead the way in directing our attention towards Christ. So I'm going to talk about some very personal things here. If you get cancer, look to Jesus. You lose your job, fix your eyes on him. You get a promotion, praise God. When you and I experience pain and loss or freedom and success, we need to keep our eyes fixed on the one who calls us his own and has made a way for us to spend eternity with him. Church, that is how we should live through each and everything that we face. Can we get an amen in this church today? That is who we should be. And you and I, church, I know I want to see mountains moved. And I know at the same time, that there are going to be hurdles and walls and trials that I face. I want to see both. And here's the thing. I know God's the author of both. 
He is. But church, if we believe we serve the God of the universe, then we believe we serve a God who can do anything. And so I choose to say, I want to see mountains moved. I want to see mountains moved in my life. I want to return to the faith that Christ called me to and requires me to believe the impossible is possible if you just believe. That's done not by the work of our hands. It's done because of Christ. And your trust in Him will be the witness to others around you and miracles will take place. Listen to Mark 11, 22 through 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen. And have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. We have to approach God in a pure heart. And he's going to do amazing things. Church, I'm raising my hand. I want to see God move like this. Raise your hand if you want to see God move like that. I want to see him move like that. And I want to see him move like that in this church, in other churches. I want to see him move like that in my life. But it is going to start by operating from a pure heart that just wants to know him, just wants to do his will. And here's where it really starts. At repentance. Because we're not like him. But we need to be transformed into his image. As I could have the prayer altar team come right now. You know, it starts by simple small steps in trusting in God. I want to tell you a story. Some of you know this story as I tell it. It's 2006. I'm a youth pastor in this church. And I'm hearing from God that I need to step out and I need to start leading my own church. I called the regional director of Open Bible and I said that this is something that my wife and I have prayed about and that we want to do. And he said, we have two church openings right now. I want you to pray about it and I only want you to apply for one. And I prayed about it and both churches were small churches in small communities. And I prayed about it and God made it clear that I was to apply for the one in Illinois, which was odd because the other church had a friend of mine from Bible college as their youth pastor. But it seemed clear to me God was calling me to the other church. And Wendy and I at the time, we were both managers for Iowa Student Loan in West Des Moines. So we are making good money. We were both, as youth pastors here, we were living in a parsonage rent-free. Rent And I go to this church and I know God's calling me and, and they tell me the compensation package, which is something that they always discuss right upon interview. And they said, well, this is a, uh, 
a job that's $14,000 a year. And I'm looking at my family of soon to be five. And I'm like, oh, wow. I don't know how we're going to do this. Now, the old Aaron, what he would have done was, he would have said, okay, before we make this commitment, we need to find jobs. Before we, need to, we make this commitment, we need to see what the school system is like. Before we make this, before, and, and so all of a sudden, I'm starting to weigh all the risks, and I would so easily do that in my past. But I looked at Wendy, and I said, God is leading us to do this. Let's commit to it. And I stepped out in faith and decided to leave everything for basically a job that I didn't know how it was going to cover the roof over our heads or feed my family. And what I saw is after I stepped out and said yes, with each step closer to the day we left, God answered each and every question. But I committed right away. I stepped out before the answer was provided. I went into work and I said I accepted a position to pastor in Illinois and I'm giving you a month's notice and the workplace said okay sounds good Wendy was pregnant with Gabe at the time and she went in and they kind of figured out what was going on because we worked at the same company and she jokingly said well I'd love to work from home and long story short she was the first one for the company to ever get to work from home and God made a way it's because we chose to make what seemed like a very difficult step at the time and trust that God was going to provide and since then I have had to trust him in many bigger things church you are a byproduct of this faith where we're sitting you're a byproduct of that but it is about us stepping out and trusting God's got this doctor's appointment God's got my family that's in disrepair God's got my health situation God has my job situation about surrendering these things over to him doing the work for our development but trusting in him and living by the spirit so what I want you to do right now is I want you to bow your eyes bow your eyes bow your head close your eyes and I want you to truly search your own heart right now And seek God in if you are truly living out your faith. Are you seeking the Word of God? Are you following the Word of God? Are you living by the Spirit? Are you allowing God to use you so that miracles can take place? Do you trust Him to make the little steps in action? Holy Spirit 
might be prodding you right now to say it's time to start. It's time to start.